Welcome to Build Better, a podcast from Nadler Modular. The way we use buildings and space has changed forever. Where we work, learn, live, and play is evolving. But the one thing everyone will still need is space. The construction industry will need to adapt to meet those changes and challenges, ensuring that we do build better. The Build Better podcast will explore some of the developments in different sectors and the requirements they have for buildings and how they manage their need for space. In each episode, you'll hear conversations with people at the forefront of construction, manufacturing, educational, business, and others sharing their insight, commenting on trends, and giving expert analysis on the way we build. Now for your host, Vice President of Leasing at Nadler Modular, Tom Bosak. Enjoy the podcast. So hello everyone, Uh, I'm Tom Bozak, uh, the VP and leader of the leasing division at Nadler Modular, and now I'm also the new host of the Build Better podcast. I'm joined here by our esteemed guest, uh, Rich Nadler. Um, Rich is the former founder and CEO of Nadler Modular. Um, He started Nadler uh, over 45 years ago before selling to the current owners, um, one of which is Jeff Neiman, about 20, 21 years ago. You know, Nadler's focus on customer service, our continuous improvement of the customer experience is what we call the Nadler Advantage, right? The Nadler Advantage is built on a rock solid heritage um, that started with Rich um, and all the foundational customer service elements that he put in place. Um, So we're here today to speak with Rich um, and learn a bit more about how he built Nadler Modular uh, to be the leader uh, it is today in, in service, uh, value, and integrity. Um, so, Rich, uh, thank you very much for your, your time today. It's a pleasure to speak with you uh, this afternoon. My, my pleasure. So, first question I have, and so this we can go back a little bit for this. Um, you know, can you discuss um, why you started Nadler and became interested sure. in, the, in the modular industry? 1970, I was uh, living in Westbury, Long Island, and I was working across the street from the United Nations building in New York. And the traveling was just too much. So I looked in the newspaper, found an ad from a company called A to Z Equipment. And their business was to rent used trailers throughout the New York area. So I went for an interview and I got the job as a salesman. And then I realized while I was there that the people there uh, were locked into a, uh, a good thing. There was no competition. And they were taking rental orders for like three, four a day to ship out to customers. And they were getting like 20 phone calls a day. And it was just women behind the desk just taking orders. So I decided to take over and call these customers back and, and try and develop a rapport. So after a, a month or so, <laughs> we developed a relationship with all these customers uh, and it was strictly renting trailers eight feet by 20 and 10 by 40 nothing beyond that it was just simple stock trailers nothing with blueprints and or, or custom made and uh long story short i became a uh, vice president uh, of the company and we really we started to grow i opened up uh, an office in fort lauderdale florida and in edison new jersey for them and uh, the man who ran the company was a man by the name of Ernest Green, and he was very old. It seemed like he was very old. He was probably 60, but looked like he was 90. <laughs> and uh, he was retiring, and uh, he sold the company to a company called Jamaica Water Utilities, a public utility company. 
And they bought the company and they promised me at the time that they would put money into the company to develop and buy new, new, new trailers so we can expand. And it never happened. And basically, they were just milking the company and using it as a write-off. So I realized that my, my tenure there was going to be a, a problem down the road. And I got approached by a, a company called GE Capital Space Rentals, which was the only competitor at the time in our business. Now it's grown to hundreds of companies. Back then, it was only a handful, maybe three or four companies. So they had started in 1969, and I started in 70. And they offered me a position in Carteret, New Jersey, to open a branch office and become a branch manager. And it was more money, company, car, housing, et cetera. So I took the job, opened up a branch office there, and uh, developed a uh, a nice facility there where we were doing work in Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, and, and, and got them outside the realm of just stock units of 8 by 20 and 10 by 40, and we got into the larger sizes, 12 by 60 and double wides, 24 by 60, and went outside the construction realm and started to get involved in industry and schools, portable classrooms, and companies that needed uh, really facilities for expansion. And we went out to California to the annual uh, conference with the president of the company, all the uh, managers, and they made me the regional manager, and I was responsible to open up offices throughout the East Coast, uh, Montreal, Cleveland, Cincinnati, et cetera. And uh, I was never home. <laughs> and then one day uh, in 1977, I was having back surgery for a laminectomy. I was in the hospital and thinking, what should I do here? So I decided, you know, I can do this myself. So I started to make out brochures, make up a customer list, and start to develop my own business. Uh, while I was in the hospital, I was at the hospital for special surgery for two weeks. And lying on my bed, I started to do mailings. And uh, I came back to the office and told the company that I was leaving. So I started my business. And uh, basically, I borrowed $10,000 from the bank to keep me going at the time. And I had two, two companies. One was Nadler Mobile Offices, and then I had Nadler Trailer Rentals, okay. which was a side business of renting tractor trailers for storage. And <clears throat> I borrowed $100,000 from a friend, and we bought 100 used trailers, and we rented those and uh, pretty quickly, $80 a month. And unfortunately, that business went to pot because they started – the transportation department said you have to have brakes and lights, and we were buying old, dilapidated uh, tractor trailers. So we made our money back, but we couldn't pursue it because uh, that part of the business uh, j just didn't work. So I started pursuing uh, the modular business and developing a, a customer list and going after everybody, schools, hospitals, libraries, uh, ma mainly uh, municipalities. And I found all kinds of different bid lists. Uh, so anything that went out to bid, we were, the, we were on the bid list. Uh, and we would start to develop a nice business. And the key to my business was I would tell the customers, we all buy from the same sources. Uh, there's no reason for you to go elsewhere when you can deal with me. I'm going to give you 24-7 service. And uh, price-wise, we're going to be better. We don't have corporate overhead. We don't have the control. We don't have this. We don't have that. And when you call, you're going to get me, no matter what, seven days a week. And it seemed to work because it, in my 25 years, I cannot honestly say that I had one customer that, that actually gave me a hard time and said, 
anything negative about us. It was all, all positive statements. Uh, then 1995 came along and the internet came along and we were the, one of the first ones to uh, start with search engines. We uh, registered our name with Yahoo, AOL, Microsoft. Uh, so when people started searching for modular, portable classrooms, office trailers, anything along those lines, our name would show up first. And uh, business started to bloom. And basically, uh, any bid that went out for bid, I, I was uh, present for the bid openings. And it was uh, not just the tri-state area, but I started to go after business in Bermuda, South Carolina, Texas, Florida. And it was difficult when we got involved in more than a single unit because then I had to find installers yep. uh, from all over the country, uh, reliable people. But the key to the business was basically the, the customers trusted me. I was with them 100%. Uh, if there was a service call, uh, I was there for them. If something went wrong and when the trails were blocked or skirted or, or in, installed in any fashion, there was a problem, uh, I would get the installers back, even if it cost me a little extra sure. just to please the customer. And when they went out for bid or they were looking, they would always call us first. And yep. uh, it That's became awesome. a very successful business. And uh, we had integrity and we had service. And that, that was the key. Pricing, of course, helped a great deal. But o overall, it was a one-on-one -on -one situation. One-on-one -on -one situation. Yeah, that's great. You said a couple of interesting things, right? I think you said, you know, you had some surgery and you were in the hospital for two weeks and, right. you know, gave you the time to think about what you wanted to do moving forward. And, you know, you got the great idea of kind of starting starting this business, which is which is really cool. You don't hear that very often, right? Where sometimes it takes a little bit of a negative to, to you know, put that right. positive forward. Um, you also made a comment, I think you said, you borrowed $100,000 from a friend, so it must've been a really good friend, right? <laughs> and then also um, <laughs> you were able to buy, I think 100 eight by 20s or eight by 28s, something along no, those lines. No, uh, they were a four, four, 40 foot of storage containers. Oh, storage uh, containers. They the trailers, yeah. Okay. Uh, strictly for storage. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah, today's you know today you'd be able to buy probably fifteen right <laughs> with a hundred thousand right, dollars right, just exactly. to go show what prices have done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, what I really liked there was the really the customer service piece, and you talked a lot about um, the customer wanting somebody to call to pick up the phone and to be able to fix the problem. It's not always. Obviously, you don't want to create problems for the customers, but when they do have a problem, you want to be able to fix them quickly um, and show them that, you know, you, you care uh, about their business and what they're using the, the modular for. And I think that's that's really important. And then what we really pride ourselves on, and it goes back to what you did, uh, is that we have a single point of contact. Right. So we want we want to make the customer experience very simple. Right. For for our customers, which is which is very similar. So right. Great to see that so many years later, right? That's still the foundation, you know, kind of of the business. Okay, especially today, uh, it's so hard to get communication. You have to go through, you know, 10 different channels to get to speak to anybody. So if you yep. can get one-on-one, -on -one, uh, the customer is so thrilled just to talk to somebody. Uh, and also, uh, whenever there was a quote that was necessary uh, or a bid, uh, I was there that day and I had it uh, sent out that day it wasn't three days sitting on the floor uh yeah being being prompt and then getting it done quickly right yeah. we have to act quickly exactly that's that's very important too so yeah and and to your point when you become 
a bigger business, right? That's one of the reasons where you start breaking up, you know, the customer experience into different pieces and you have a different contact for each of those pieces, right? So it becomes even more difficult when you get larger to build those processes and what's the, so that we always have one point of contact. So they always know what's going on. They're always able to um, communicate effectively to the customer, right? It takes a little bit more work to do that when you get to become a little bit bigger, um, but it's so important to the customer. So um, I just uh, sure. find that find out really good. So um, the, the next question I had was, um, and I think you probably talked a little bit about this in, in the first question was, you know, when we talk about the heritage of Nadler, which really set the foundation for, for what it is today, you know, what were the things that made Nadler successful and what were you most proud of? And it probably goes back to the things you mentioned, right, the, the, the customer service. Um, but is there anything in particular? Was it a certain project or a certain customer or, you know, what, what comes to mind, you know, with that question? Uh, basically, that it's just who I am. In other words, I, I really, uh, as soon as something happened, I was on top of it, and I would, I wouldn't stop at anything. In other words, if there was a job that went off a bid, I did everything in my power to try and secure, to secure that job. Uh, whether it was a five percent markup or a fifty percent markup, it was the same thing. In other words, I was there really to help the customer, so we can develop a rapport down the road. Sure. And uh, I, I'm proud that. Uh, I had municipalities that would not go out to bid and they just would use us as an emergency bid uh, because of the service that we, we gave them, like the railroad or the transit authority or, or you know, uh, Garden State Parkway Authority, people like that. Uh, instead of going out for public bid, they would, they would come right to me, which was really a pleasure. And uh, I developed a report with s several big, big contractors. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was... Thinking about it today, one of my first customers in 1977, uh, I sold an 8x20, which is the smallest unit, yep. to uh, a company called Conti, C-O-N-T-I, Construction. And they were out of, uh, I was going to say, Parsippi. They're still around someplace. today. If not, they've been around for a while. Well, they, yeah. right, they're, they're around today. And I was reading just yesterday, they're working on a bid, Conti, LLC with another company, eight five point something billion dollar project in New York, uh, highway route one and nine, like the biggest mass project ever. Awesome. And, and their general contractor handling that, which which was interesting. So it goes to show you, even you know, a small customer, of course, can become huge. Uh, yes, absolutely. Ne next question is. Um, you know, just goes to think of, I think about one of the reasons that I was attracted to joining Nadler um, a couple months ago, and it was really the, the quality, the sincerity of the people um, who worked at Nadler. Um, it was really the integrity of, of Jeff, the owner, uh, and the employees that really stood out, right? Um, so, you know, what does integrity mean to you, and, and, and what is it that uh, and why is it important at Nadler to, to have that? Uh, I, I think it's the most important factor. Uh, th that's the thing that keeps you going. If you want to stay in business, that's what the customers want to see. They want to see somebody who has integrity and somebody who's going to stand behind what they say and not just try and go in for a quick buck. And, and that's how you keep customers for 50 years, basically. I mean, that's what's happened. Uh, you, you have the same customer list plus, plus additions, of course, because you continue to give them the integrity and the service that they used to. 
there's no difference between what we're buying from a manufacturer and there's a you know a handful of manufacturers in Indiana, Pennsylvania. We all buy from the same sources, so uh, it's just a matter of who can give them the, the best communication skills. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's a great point because I mean integrity. Um, is really needed to be part of that customer service. Without integrity, you're not going to have a good customer service, right? Um, right. Relationship with your customer, sure. you're not going to have a good customer experience. So they really go hand in hand. And um, when you can, when you have integrity and you have a great customer experience, and that's really when you can win and, and you know continue uh, uh, your uh, business, right? With uh, customers. I'll give you a quick example. Uh, I would be on vacation, let's say in Ireland or or, or someplace in Europe. Uh, during the summer months, and the time difference was like six, nine-hour difference. And I would get up at three in the morning, run to a phone booth outside, because back then we didn't have cell phones. Uh, I'd run out basically in my underwear to see if I have any messages for my answering service, and I would get a message if somebody wants a brochure. Here we are, three o'clock in the morning, somebody wants a brochure. I would call the customer back at you know, three o'clock my time in the morning, uh, and find out their address, et cetera, et cetera, and make a note to send a brochure as soon as I got back. I could have waited till I came back a few days later just to send a brochure, but that's the type of attitude we had. We would take care of everything on the spot. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And I think that's a good transition to the, to the next question, and I think you've kind of answered this a little bit, but um, you know, mentioned before the customer experience is so important to, to Nadler. Um, it really enables us to stand apart from the competition, right? When our, uh, we feel that a lot of our um, competitors uh, don't have that same uh, level of customer service, right? Um, so overall, you know, what does customer service mean to you? Why it's so important? I know you've already mentioned it, but uh, maybe just expand on a little bit more. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's truly so important. I mean, especially in today's market, you've got to make a phone call where you have a problem and you, you, you're disconnected. You're talking to five different people. You can't understand a word they're saying. It, it is so important that you're there for them one-on-one where they know they, they can call you and they can get help. Uh, that, that to me is, is really number one is the one-on-one situation. No, I agree. Totally agree on that. Um, building that customer relationship, having that single point of contact is, is so important and, and doing what you say and doing it quickly, right? This is so very important. And then really just had one other question. And I think this kind of a little bit different from the last couple of questions, but this is more about modular and in, in, in total uh, or overall right. um, the industry. Um, you know, obviously you've been around modular for a long period of time and you work for GE space um, it's funny going back with GE Space, right? It, you know, it changed names multiple times, changed ownership multiple times, but it's still yeah. around. There's plenty of GE trailers still out there today, um, which is interesting. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 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 When I was there I, for two to three years. They had three different ownerships. They were owned by Ringling Brothers, Bottom and Billy Circus at one point, which was Jelco Leasing. Yeah, yeah, they did, they did change it around, right? So GE did was always moving that around and trying to bring companies together, separate them and things like that. So interesting time, but yeah, I was just, you know, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, we call this kind of the, the build better podcast. And, and that's one of the things we thrive on is that, you know, modular um, buildings, 
um, and, and the process to build a modular building has really come a long way over the past 30, 40 years, uh, and a lot more customers are using it, which is great to see because there's a lot of that. Right. Right? Um, so why do you think that, that modular is a better way to build for, for a lot of different customers? Well, definitely s several factors. One, of course, is cost. It's so much cheaper uh, uh, to buy a modular. Uh, second, of course, is expediency. I mean, you, you can get a building in, in, you know, in a few weeks versus a few months. Uh, and basically, it, it meets codes. And uh, it, all the factors put together, it's, uh, it, it's a great business. I mean, going from when I was 1970, when we were shipping out just standard trailers off a brochure, everything now today is done via blueprints and modules, two, two stories and 10 units put together. Uh, it, it's, it's a whole new business and it's going to continue to grow because, uh, I mean, schools alone, are probably half the school districts today are using portable classrooms. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We see a lot in, and, you know, I think when you see a lot of the classrooms that are being used today, you go inside of them and, and they're very, very nice classrooms, right? And they, um, right. they're really no different than the classrooms that are, you know, in, in the larger, you know, construction, the regular built building, right? Which is, which is great to see um, from that. So, I, I think go government helped a, a great deal as well, sorry, uh, by making codes. We have the Boca code and various codes, which we didn't have back when, uh, when we started, we would just use paneling that had formaldehyde, and, and it would burn your eyes in the summer. <laughs> Interesting yeah. fact that, uh, and of course, they came along and changed the codes, and everything had to be approved by a third party. It really was very helpful. Uh, you couldn't take a shortcut. You had to build according to the code and had to have a seal, yeah. which is good. And that's why we like building codes, right, because we want everybody to be safe and we want our, our product to yes. last a long time, right? So, um, you know, so exactly. and, you know, we all of our buildings today we code for many many states and situations, so that um, we have a fleet that's flexible that can be used in a lot of states for a lot of different uses, and um, it's worthwhile right. building a, a quality building that meets that, right? So it's very very important. So which is great. Um, so Rich, that's really all the questions I had today. I didn't want to take too much of your time, but is there Anything else that you wanted to, to talk about, Nadler, or um, um, any other comments you wanted to make? Not really. Just uh, I, I love the business. I'm, I'm happy I sold to a group that's really doing a great job, and they're really concerned. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure I made the right move leaving and going to my own business uh, because I was going to do the same thing for a company that I did for myself, you know, working 24-7 and being devoted uh, so, yeah, and now I've been retired twenty years and uh, enjoying the life. Enjoying life, yeah. And I hear you say very, very busy, very active, which is which is great to see. So, but but thank you. I mean, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today. We wouldn't be having this podcast today if it wasn't for your ownership, your leadership. Um, you know, we're trying our best, like you said, working twenty four seven hours to build on what you started, and uh, you know, grow the building, uh, the the business the right way. Um, really focusing on the customer quality products and doing everything uh, the best that we can for the customer. So thank you so much for, uh, for joining today and, and thanks for everything that you've done. So, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure and best, best of luck. 
Thank you for listening to Build Better, a podcast from Nadler Modular. Remember to follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for future episodes.